2: hello there and welcome to thank the maker a podcast about heroes princesses scoundrels hokey religions ancient weapons and all things star wars i'm your host adam russell i'm also your host ryan
0: key i'm your third host as always nick anbarian hey everyone
2: bringing up the rear (laughs) triple host vibes from front to the rear. (laughs) We're also joined by special guest Jonah Ray of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame. Yeah, there's the name brand recognition we all need for me. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sick.
1: Thanks for being here, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. We're stoked to have you. It was a good opportunity to
3: rewatch the show. For sure. As if we need any excuses to (laughs) (laughs) rewatch. Yeah, but rewatching these two episodes, I mean, oh man, the whole show is obviously it's incredible and critically acclaimed. And in from a certain point of view this week, I put three kinda goofy little gripe thingies cause there just aren't any. But as a whole, these two episodes, I mean, they really stand out from the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Like in like in a pretty major way. The stakes just feel higher. The cinematography is a little more yeah. it's just on a bigger scale with all those stormtroopers and the battle with the what are those things? They're, they're kind of like Minox, but not. They're bigger. I don't know. I, I tried to look up what those things were called. Yeah, whatever no. those flying pterodactyl things are mm. in the desert on Navarro. Like, hey, it turns out I do <laughs> f- with dragons. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> <laughs> so start Game of Thrones tonight. Um, mm. So I, I, I just uh, reacting to you mentioning rewatching the show, man, I was all kind of teary-eyed today watching both of these episodes. There's just so much good shit. Emmy winning.
1: Yeah, and then I watched some of the uh, featurette, like the making of. I watched the director's episode as Mm -hmm, well, and that was a real delight to see that. It just like so much kind of heart went into making it. And the collaboration between all the directors seemingly for the entire thing, that was interesting to watch as well.
2: Yeah, It's almost like our generation or the younger generations are getting their version of what Spielberg and Lucas and all those other dudes had in those early days. There's a scrappy little kind of upstart I mean, Taika Waititi's no scrappy upstart, but you know what I mean. The crew they have.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Favreau referred to him as the Ringer. Right. Because he, you know, he had already made four feature films and Thor Ragnarok among them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll yeah. do. Yeah, we'll, we'll let him in. Bryce Dallas Howard, though. Yeah. like you know, Her dad did a Star War. <laughs> he did. Opie Jr.
0: And now the show is confirmed
3: like seven times Emmy winner. Crazy. Crushing on all levels. Good for them. Yeah, and seasons three and four are pretty much confirmed. So... I wonder if they're going to keep this kind of same team of directors throughout or they're going to keep branching out.
1: I'd like to, uh, you know, see some of them back, of course. But also I have this feeling that because John Favreau is still kind of has that indie guy, indie filmmaker heart inside mm-hmm. of him. And I think he almost kind of wants to use it as a as a way to give, you know, smaller director
2: shots. Yeah, he, he just has incredible foresight and vision on such a large scale The dudes just so talented.
1: And also a movie like Chef that shouldn't work, but is really watchable and like a nice movie. Yeah. Great movie. And it's like, I remember seeing the trailer and going like, what? What is he doing?
3: What is this? (laughs) Sandwiches? Yeah,
1: cool. And then it's just, well done.
3: It's a great script. Yeah. And that's what I I think he's always, for the most part, I mean, especially with the more independent stuff like that that he's done. He just finds a script and is like, that's badass. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it. Jonah, what's your first
2: Star Wars memory? Earliest memory?
3: You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. And
1: I don't know for sure, because my brother is three years older than me. I was born in 82. He was born in 79. And I just remember Star Wars just already being there. Like, uh, S- Star Wars toys and Gremlins, Mogwai nice. toys. Like, I remember them at the same time. Like, uh, it's like I have, like, early memory of, like, playing with them. And so I, that's my, my earliest memory of Star Wars is just the figurines that my brother had before ever even seeing the movies. Cool. It was already in the culture in the house I guess. So I don't know the first time I saw them. I I love the movies and I know them well, but I don't I don't have that moment. Uh and I don't think I can't imagine anyone with like an older brother or older sibling. It just kind of was there.
3: A lot of us don't have like a specific because we're all, you know, within 3 years, we're the same. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of our first memories are like that. They're they're sort of more images of toys or, or acting out a scene of star Wars or, you know what I mean? Like playing star Wars with your friends or something. yeah, it's just like different things other than like, yes, I remember ass in seat where I saw the movie the first time or something like that.
1: Yeah. I remember, you know, ass in seat for episode one and also like yeah. the, uh, and the, and the remastered ones. I remember going to all yeah. those and I remember going to episode episode one opening night and then the next day going by myself again Because I was like, I don't think I got it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was just because I wasn't well-versed in, uh, you know, politics.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You weren't up on your trade disputes. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're talking about chapters 7 and 8, The Reckoning and Redemption. Wrapping this up. What have you done with those plans? Chapter 7, directed by Deborah Chow, who we now know is going on to direct the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which is... I don't think there's a single thing that I'm more stoked about than seeing that series. Pretty stoked. Chapter eight, directed by Taika Waititi, The Ringer. Both of these written by Jon Favreau, starring one new cast member in addition to everyone else, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. So many moths now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Moth counts high. A lot of moths. I,
3: I learned I learned about moths through watching these episodes and reading about. Moth Gideon and just how the, the moths were appointed and you know what their actual role is was in the Empire. Pretty cool.
0: Giancarlo Esposito as an actor is one of these people who only plays villains. Yeah. He's Breaking Bad. I'm watching season two of The Boys and he's like exactly the same character he was on Breaking Bad. And then as moff gideon he's has a little bit different swagger but again he's a villain he's like the most typecast kind of awesome villain i don't mind him in either any of these roles but he's only a bad guy (laughs) he grew his
2: hair out from Moff gideon you know yeah yeah. let the locks down i love that kind of villain that i'm very intelligent and articulate and chances are you're going to die kind of like (laughs) villain you know
3: i could kill you right now but i'm going to give you until nightfall yeah, <laughs> I will give you a few options and too much time because I will get enjoyment out of knowing you're sitting there thinking about it.
1: Right, it's like he's so still in his performance, but then there's the two trooper amps where like they're waiting to get the clear to come in to the downtown area or whatever. Right, and like uh, they're like. Oh, he just like shot somebody for interrupting him. And you're like, (laughs) it's weird. It's like those things where it's like, you didn't see that. It happened. He said it happened, but it's weird. Like, it's like this very violent thing. But when you see him on camera, he's always very still.
3: It like makes him more diabolical. And I, and I love that scene and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I I love how they do it twice. He killed a bunch of guys. And then later (laughs) in the scene, they call back to be like, "Uh, he just killed a couple more guys for interrupting (laughs) him
2: or whatever it was. So we haven't mentioned in some of these previous episodes the IMDb scores, Metacritic, and all that kind of crap. But uh, we'll do it right now because they're just crushing. Chapter 7, 9.1 on IMDb. Chapter 8, 9.3. Metacritic, 8.8 and 9.4. Not that any of that matters, but why not? I think it matters when Star Wars gets
3: ratings like that. I think it does matter. Yeah. I, th- I think... I can see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they're, that that's a huge uh, step forward in in the Star Wars universe and and film making for for Star Wars to have all of these episodes
2: get that kind of critic rating. I think it is important. I think it's also just time for everybody to appreciate, for critics to stop trying to be cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Just give credit where credit's due. Hipster. Hipster critics. I agree with that. But, you know,
3: if you make really cool shit, for the most part, it's hard for critics to say it's not cool shit. And this is (laughs) all—all eight of these are just— chocked full of cool shit, so. This is yeah. true.
1: But, like, critics have this thing, it's all, like, kind of post-Pauline kale style of uh, reviewing movies where everyone wants to be so eloquently mean.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for you sure. Know, they
1: don't like, it. and they. It's like Pauline Kael was like, you know, really well versed in when I mean, the best critics like they know about filmmaking, they know about the process of acting, and like they kind of know the technical aspects of storytelling in film. But like we've gotten to a space where people just go, I didn't like it because, and like they kind of attack it creatively as opposed yeah. to like technically. And that's the big problem I think these days.
0: I definitely heard a lot of that with Rise of Skywalker. A lot of people I know who are in the industry were like, that was a terribly made movie, and I'm like, I- I'm watching the story. Like I'm not. I'm not going to comment on the pace of a movie, you know, like I'm, that's
2: not, that's above my pay grade. Like, yeah, it was action packed. <laughs> Runtime on these two, 41 minutes for chapter seven, 48 minutes for chapter eight. I love that they went a little long in these. Me too. I remember seeing that, that last one was 48 and I was like, yeah, <laughs> sweet. It's that thing where like, yeah, it's supposed to be a 30 minute show, but if it's good, it doesn't feel long. We're talking about pace, you know, mm-hmm. Just like writing a song, I remember, you know, especially early 2000s when our bands were coming up, Feldman producing our album was like three and a half minutes. That's it. Yep. That's the hard ceiling. Can't go over it. I <laughs> remember that too. And then our first single was ended up being like right at four. And he's like, oh shit, it's a four minutes long. Well, it works, you know?
3: <laughs> Every song I've released... On Patreon so far, I think has been over five minutes. So I'm just,
1: oh. <laughs> I'm just. Most of that is feedback, though, right? Just
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like thirty-five to forty seconds of reverb trail at the end of the song. That's really yeah, let's yeah. take it, bring it <laughs> home.
1: But what's the uh, uh, the Roger Ebert quote? It's like, no good movie is too long, and no bad movie is short enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Perfect quote of the yeah. week. Perfect quote. All right, let's get into the synopses. I'm going to try to blaze through these so we can talk a little more and not just listen to me stumble through a fucking synopsis chapter seven the reckoning we open with mando flying through space in the in the razor crest receiving a hollow from grief karga saying that the city has been overrun by the client and ex-imperial guards they've fully taken control the shit has hit the fan and it's actually hampering the bounty hunter guild so grief asks for help mando reluctantly knowing he needs some help recruits cara dune decides to go back and get rid of this Imperial resistance and kind of free up the bounty hunters to do their shit. Mando heads to Sorgan to recruit Cara Dune. We find her in a sweet, like, uh, bar fight with these, like, lightning tether belt things. Cara Cynthia, by the way. That's her actual name. Full name, yeah. Cara Cynthia Dune. Anyway, they sit down. He offers the job. She's not interested. She's not trying to get into local warlord crap, but Mando explains that the job is actually to oust an Imperial... And she says, "Okay, I'm down." That hooked her right there. Why didn't he just open with that, by the way? (laughs) Yeah. On the way, they're cruising in the Razor Crest. They're talking, kind of down in the cargo bay. The child's alone in the cockpit, and all of a sudden, they're just like tumbling in the Razor Crest. They're just careening through space. We go up to find that (laughs) the child is just like pulling levers and shit. It's adorable. It is absolutely adorable. So Kara suggests finding someone to watch the child while they're on the mission. Naturally, they head to Kweel's place. (sighs) R.I.P. He agrees. While they're talking, IG-11 walks in with some tea, and Mando flips, pulls a blaster on him. Kawiel's like, whoa, 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 chill out, chill out, explains that he actually went back to retrieve the IG unit after Mando blasted him in the head, reprogrammed him, rehabilitated him, turned him into a nurse droid.
0: With a real sweet 80s training montage. Yeah.
1: That scene could have been two, three, four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, there could be a whole series of just seeing... Just the day-to-day workings between these guys, and like I would have been, would have been completely into it. It was just such a nice sequence.
3: We need a montage.
2: <laughs> I'm a sucker for AIs and robots learning and growing up like children.
1: Yeah, even like the t- the toddler stand, yeah, yeah. like the little <laughs> wobbly glitching, <laughs> you know. And when he broke the glass, it reminded me if you've ever seen that video where there's like an old man showing off an, like an ancient wax cylinder, like from Edison, like <laughs> one of Edison's wax cylinders, and like he's yeah, like yeah. holding it and then it just shatters in his hand. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no,
2: look what you did!" <laughs> on the way back to Navarro, Mando and Cara Dune are arm wrestling in the Razor Crest, flexing on each other, and they're it's kind of they're kind of at a standstill, right? And then. Kara starts choking. We cut to the child, and he's pulling a force choke on her. He's got his little hand up. So sick. So dope. Some dark side there. Mando, of course, has to grab him. He's like, no, 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 no. She's not hurting me. It's okay. Kara's, of course, a little freaked out, but she doesn't choke him out. She doesn't choke babies. We know that about her. That's good. She says, I don't do the baby thing. Razorcrest lands on Navarro, greeted by Grief Karga, and three other bounty hunters, both Grief and Mando's crews, head to the city. Nightfall comes. They set up camp to stay overnight. Over a plan to eliminate the client. Out of the night, a flock of uh, apparently dragons that I'm now a fan of. <laughs> Crossover event. Those are Game of Thrones dra- dragons. <laughs> <laughs> they attack the camp and fly off with a couple blurgs. They're, these are big bastards. They kill another and seriously injure Grief Karga. He's got a big, nasty laceration on his arm. Kara's trying to help him. She injects a little thing, but the poison's spreading quickly. So the child, sensing that Grief needs help, walks up on him, uses the force to heal him. This is the introduction of force healing, by the way.
0: I really did, during that campfire scene, have an actual laugh-out-loud moment when the child's walking up to him to heal him, and Grief is like, he's gonna eat me!
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the funniest thing that I've of all of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Next morning, the crew's heading toward the city. They're just kind of walking. All of a sudden, bam, Grief pulls Blasters, spins around, and takes out the two bounty hunters from his crew. Turns out they were gonna double-cross Mando and Kara had a change of heart after the child healed him. He's not a total asshole. Turns out (laughs) Chubb's a good dude. He spills the beans that they were going to double-cross him, but all is forgiven, essentially. They come up with a plan to keep the child safe while they go in to get the client. Quill takes the child back on a blurg, heads back to the Razor Crest. They're pulling like the classic Star Wars prisoner in handcuffs, Chewie move. They head into the city. They discover it's not just a couple stormtroopers. It's a ton. Everybody's everywhere. It's gnarly. So they get in to see the client. They present Mando as the bounty. The client Mando had this actually, like, pretty sweet little conversation. He's talking about how Mandalore resisted the Empire's expansion, and, you know, look what happened. Yeah,
0: there's some good real real universe
2: building right there, some world building. Yeah. Some stories that we'll get to hear, actually, eventually. He talks about how the Empire improves every system that it touches. It's such a good little bit of, of exposition. He's like, is the world more peaceful since the revolution? For a second you're like, "Well, I I get it. You're not just all like these evil because you're evil type villains."
1: Well, it's like, you know, they never they never think they're the bad guy. That's that's right. the
2: best part of what makes a good
1: villain and that's what's so good about that scene. He's like, "Genuinely, it's it's like we're doing good. I mean, some people don't like it, yeah. but like for all it's worth, you know, we got to spread capitalism or whatever they're doing, whatever right. their whole thing is." I yeah. think
3: it would it would equate to the in my mind, most similarly to the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. The the chaos that ensued in the early 90s in Ukraine and mm-hmm. in Russia and Belarus and all those, you know, Estonia and all Yugoslavia, all that. The idea of going, well, is this what you wanted? Is this civil <laughs> yeah. war and like eight of these countries and invasions everywhere? And, you know, you thought you were starving before. Well, how are you doing now? You know, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the vibe. But it was also, you know, I mean, Gorbachev, as they went, was, you know, the best of them. And the empire didn't really have a best of them candidate. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, he did what he could. But the idea of what that regime and that, you know, that system of government had done to its people for so long. But then the minute it was over, it was like everything in the Eastern Bloc just descended into chaos. And I think that's a really cool parallel.
2: hmm It's the nature of change in the wake of an overthrow of totalitarianism.
3: Yeah, because like it's already shitty. It's not going to get better right Right. away when you
2: end (laughs) the shittiness. It's going to get even shittier. So the client asks to see the child and they're like, oh shit, oh shit, we don't have a child. What are we going to do? They get saved by the bell as a trooper pulls the client away because he's got a message coming from Moff Gideon.
3: Sorry to interrupt you again, but did you notice when the trooper leans over to tell him about the message? It almost sounds like he's speaking in that death trooper code. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but oh, yeah, yeah. it's audible that he's speaking, but it's definitely, he's not saying, Hey, you have a call. Come over here right now. It's definitely yeah. like yeah. garbled, weird sounding kind of, kind of like the death troopers sound like when they, hmm. I mean, they have like a constant radio thing going yeah. on. The death troopers do, but either way, I noticed that. I I think. Yeah. I noticed that as well. At me. If it's not, if I
2: noticed that wrong. <laughs> so he pulls them aside. They pull out this it looks like the first laptop ever made it's like this hollow laptop kind of thing it's awesome it's awesome star wars tech man it's the best it's dope yeah but it's also just funny i I couldn't help but laugh so hollow pops up it's moff gideon and they're outside they're about to rain down hell on these death troopers surprise attack blast the entire bounty hunter cantina eliminating everyone but mando kara and grief client as well he goes down
1: convenient yeah r.i.p the client one of those great kind of Star Wars details of a little bit of humor or a little bit of subversion thrown in, where the waiter droid is like kind <laughs> yeah. of like still trying to like like dodge the the lasers yeah. and
2: yeah. <laughs> must serve drinks. Yeah, exactly.
1: There's still a bit of that, and it's yeah. just a really quick moment. But I, I I love little stuff like that where it's like <laughs> that's just very funny. It's like he's not going to stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. So they're there trying to hunker down and not get blasted. Tries to contact Kuil telling him to hurry up, get to the Razor Crest, because shit's hitting the fan. Two scout troopers are shown intercepting this message and race off to find Kweil. So they're going to head him off at the pass. They're going to get his ass. Moff Gideon arrives via TIE Fighter with the sickest TIE Fighter landing. This is the first time we've ever seen this actually happen, where the, the wings fold and it lands. Do you guys think that that's new technology, or we've just never seen that, and all TIE Fighters do that? Doug Chang did post on Instagram... The concept drawing of that and the caption was like, finally, we get to see how a TIE fighter lands. Yeah. So it's probably canon now that they land. So Moff Gideon gets out and just starts just yelling at him. He knows they're in there They blasted down (laughs) the whole wall pretty much. So he's like, yo, you guys in there. Here's the deal. I'm here to whoop your ass. We then cut to a shot of Kuiil laying on the ground, presumably dead as the scout troopers snatch up the child and head back to the city. Dark ass ending. Poor Kuiil. Poor dude, he's just trying to rehabilitate droids and make a living. It was
1: rough,
3: dude. There were some misty eyes over here.
1: Yeah, that was a real bummer. But also, like, good storytelling of just, like, you know, letting you fall in love with someone. Yep. Yeah. And then just taking them out. Nobody's safe.
0: Especially under the circumstances that he, like, agreed to work, you know? Like, he didn't want to get paid. He just wanted to help, so... Yeah. To mm-hmm. take out someone who was just, like, there to do good.
2: Hurt your heart. Yeah. But if nobody dies, there's no stakes. So. <laughs> yeah. John Favreau, you know, he's, like gotta kill somebody man mm-hmm. everybody's gonna come back to life in the
1: original script for swingers uh
2: all of them except for vince vaughn dies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all killed by stormtroopers yeah. <laughs> chapter eight redemption we open a ama- it's almost like a cold open this amazing scene two scout troopers on their way back they have the child and they're just kind of waiting for orders outside the city in this very taika Waititi comedy what we do in the shadows kind of conversation <laughs> they uh they're just kind of waiting and they start playing target practice on a little piece of scrap maybe 10 feet away right yeah and they fire like half a dozen shots at it and can't hit the damn thing yeah. they keep they're kind of shaking their pistols like what's wrong with this thing just straight ripping on stormtroopers. and those uh, that's <laughs> uh jason
1: sudeikis and who else adam pally yeah adam pally yeah. that's right
0: it was funny the day after that whole scene because you know they're like kind of They're hitting Baby Yoda and stuff like that in that little sack. And the next morning, I woke up and saw like a hashtag like Jason Sudeikis is canceled. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what did he do? (laughs) At that point, I don't think I knew that he was the voice of the scout trooper. So that's how I found out that he was the voice of the scout trooper. I thought it was a very serious cancellation going on on (laughs) on Twitter.
3: (laughs) Side note, Ted Lasso is probably my favorite thing on TV right now. Oh, dude, it's funny as hell. I
2: got to watch. So they're just like, they're roughing up the kid. Ah. It's a bum out. I was personally just like enraged. It went far. It went too far. They weren't just like slapping the bag that he was in. They were closed fist punching it over and over. So then IG-11 rolls up to bring the hammer down on these bastards. And he's no longer an assassin droid, but he's programmed to protect the child. So it's like the Hulk smash with Loki. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's also kind of Terminator-esque. You know what I mean? Just like smashing the head into the speeder over and over. Snatches the child, heads back to the city.
1: Another great kind of taiko a T detail too is the uh like in any other kind of Star Wars or action thing, you wouldn't you wouldn't really hear like it would just be the smashing, but like that right. detail of just hearing them going, ah, yeah, like that yeah. just kind of that, <laughs> yeah. that pain the pain yelps of yeah. like a like dorky trooper. Yeah uh, is very
2: somehow like just, comedic.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. somehow <laughs>
2: comedic that they're in pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we cut back to the city, the crew is still hold up in the cantina but they're planning an escape through the sewers. Mando scans around. He sees, with his predator vision, sees there's a vent behind this thing. They're going to try to get down there and sneak out. Moff Gideon, at this point, starts speaking to the crew again, directly to them, calling them out by name. All this personal information, which is a great way to do exposition again. And this is where we learn Mando's name, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the first time. Where Kara's from, Mando, yeah. Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan. Dope decommissioned Mandalorian hunter Din Djarin, disgraced magistrate Grief Karga. What is a magistrate?
0: Magistrate is a civil officer, administers the law. There we go. I just looked
2: that up. Well done. So like we said, in the most just calm, direct, I don't need to raise my voice because I know you're scared of me type voice, Moff Gideon lays it out and says, surrender or this, I'll give you until nightfall to just stew on it before we open fire. We finally see the full Dinjarin Mando flashback scene at this point. After his parents are presumed dead, we go back to that, that moment when um, they're kind of hiding him away, right? We see an explosion. Like after they close the doors, just bam, instantly they're blown up. And then the doors are thrown open. It's one of those super battle droids from the prequels. And then it gets blasted, and we see a bunch of deathwash Mandalorians fly in with jetpacks. And they're the ones who save this city. So they rescue Din Djarin, he becomes a foundling, and this is the full origin story that has been hinted along the way this season.
0: Can't have a Star Wars origin story without some dead mommies
2: and daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Mando's trying to contact Queel and IG-11 answers the comm. And Mando's like, oh, hell no. What happened? What what did you do to him? He lets him know that he's he's been terminated. Mando's skeptical, of course, but he assures Mando that his primary function is to nurse <laughs> and protect. Yeah. Good line. Uh, it's so funny to me. Turn nurse and protect. <laughs> Cut to IG-11 and the child on a speeder bike racing into the city, just blasting troopers. The child's just giggling and smiling and ears flapping in the wind, and IG, like, full spinning arms just... <laughs> just taking out everybody. It's so sick. Using this as a distraction, Mando heads outside with grief to engage the troopers. Mando grabs this big E-Web gun that... Moff Gideon was threatening them with earlier yanks it off the tripod and just starts blasting everybody like a T-800 Schwarzenegger Predator style mowing down troopers, they blow down the door of the cantina, go after Cara Dune Moff Gideon shoots Mando in the car. shoots the nearby E-Web power supply huge explosion, Mando gets blown off to the side and he's like wrecked it's right by him, right? Cara runs out, rescues injured Mando as the crew is again cornered inside the cantina almost made it out but no, they're back in there
0: I think it shows you that moment, too, that Moff Gideon, like, shot him, hit him in the best car, realized it didn't do anything, and was just like, I gotta blow this dude out. Yeah. So he just takes out
2: his own imperial weapon weaponry and,
0: and actually harms
2: Mando. IG-11 finally gets the sewer vent open to enable an escape. Moff Gideon sends in this incinerator trooper, essentially a trooper with a cool paint job and a flamethrower, to burn them out. He's just torching the outside of the cantina, walks around to the front door, and comes in, And he's getting ready to spark it up again. The crew is right in his crosshairs, essentially. He lets it rip on the flamethrower. And as he does this, the child puts up both hands, closes his eyes, and with the force, completely repels the flames. We cut to a side shot, and it's just like a wall of force resistance. And then just gives him kind of a shove and blows back the stormtrooper back out the door. They're saved. So they head down in the sewer. IG-11 decides to stay back with mando and the rest of the crew escapes ig is like you're screwed you're gonna die i need to take off your helmet mando raises his blaster and is like nope no living thing has ever seen my face this does not come off this is my religion and IG's like well i'm not a living thing <laughs> there's nothing else to say he just takes mm-hmm. the helmet off and this is the first time we see the mandalorian's face he's beat to shit too he is beat to shit they did a really good job of making that believable in my mind, like, in my
3: opinion, they did a really good job of actually making it. I mean, obviously we knew he was going to make it somehow, mm-hmm. but like creating that dire moment of what are we going to do? It it seemed like he really
2: was pretty, pretty doomed. You know? Yeah. The
3: pain was real.
1: He, he seems smooshed.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> IG gives him a little back to spray on the head, says this is going to take a little while, but you'll feel better. So they head down the sewer. They meet up with the rest of the crew and they find that the majority of the Mandalorian tribe is dead. There's this pile of helmets and armor and shit. Yeah, maybe some escaped, but it's like... I mean, it looks like it's pretty much everyone. The armorer pops up, and she's salvaging the armor, essentially. She explains um, that once they went above ground to help Mando, the Imperials showed up, and this is what's left. The armorer at this point finally sees the child. Mando explains in, like, the most oblivious, most ignorant terms... who Somebody who's apparently never heard of the force... <laughs> What the child does, and this is where the armor says all these lines that are actually in the season 2 trailer. She explains um, these powers were once used by sorcerers of eons past called Jedi. Explains that they were once enemies of Mandalore. Mando asks if the child is an enemy, and she explains that no, their kind was an enemy, but the child is not an enemy because he's a foundling. He's now your responsibility, essentially. She goes on to explain that the child needs to be with its own kind, and that's on Mando. After kind of understanding that this is not an enemy, it negates everything that Mando said about not being able to take his signet. So he hasn't earned it at this point. She gets a little bit of Beskar. She makes a little mudhorn thing and pops it on his shoulder. Now they are a clan of two.
0: And she does actually say that until the child is returned to its kind, that Din Djarin is its father. She actually says the word father. So we got daddy and son now, clan
2: of two. And then she presents him with a jetpack. Rising Phoenix apparently is what this is called. Before they leave.
3: She says, were you trained in the rising Phoenix? And he says, as a boy, yes. And that's before she shows it. She just says, are you trained? Right. Yeah. And she's like, check this out.
2: And you're like, what? They're called rising Phoenixes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you know, I had like a year or two in high school, but, you know, I don't remember much of it.
1: It was an elective.
2: (laughs) Stormtroopers descend into the armory as the crew escapes via this lava river, very like Ghostbusters 2 style. The armorer just whoops all these stormtroopers' asses.
3: So sick. I want to ask Emily if that was actually
2: her that did That'd all the all the stunt fighting. Not just smelting skills. She can whoop ass. As the crew escapes down the lava river... Real quick, I do want to like point out the humor
1: of the droid coming to life and then just being a uh, Venetian boat pusher thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Love boat on the lava river.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're cruising down the lava river. Mando realizes again with the predator vision that there's stormtroopers at the end of this tunnel and they're screwed. There's no way to get out. So IG 11 who loves to get in self-destruct mode is like, I'm going to sacrifice myself. The only way out is for me to blow up at the end of this tunnel. But this time it's not funny. This time it's not funny because it's legit. Mm -hmm. This time it's heartbreaking. You know, Mando's like, no, it's against your programming. He's like, well, my primary objective is to protect the child. So that supersedes everything.
0: And also
1: not get captured, which presumably they would be captured. Right. That was a nice detail, too, of just like, uh, don't be sad. He's like, I'm not sad. He's like, I can, I know the, the voice, like I'm a computer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've analyzed yeah, yeah. your voice. Now you're full of shit. Yeah. yeah. I can tell. <laughs> so he heads down, initiates the self-destruct, blows out the troopers. The day is presumably saved, right? They come out of the end of the tunnel and then we see Moff Gideon flying overhead in his TIE fighter. He open fires on the crew. Mando grabs the jetpack, launches himself up into the sky, uses a grappling hook to grab the TIE fighter, gets up on it, attaches a detonator, jumps off, blows up the TIE. So we think he's won, right? They have this sort of happy ending, good job everyone, let's now part ways kind of moment. They say their goodbyes. Mando takes the child off into the sunset. We see him shortly after finding Kaweel's body, burying him. And then we cut to the crashed tie. Jawas are, of course, trying to scrap it as Jawas do. But then we see in an instant you hear a sound and you see a little spark as this blade starts to come up out of the TIE Fighter, cuts a hole, and this is a unique blade. This isn't a standard lightsaber or something like this. It is none other than the darksaber. The dark saber. <laughs> Moff Gideon emerges from the TIE Fighter, holding the Darksaber. Holy shit, roll credits. Yeah, that was, I'm sure we'll get into it
0: more, but seeing both in this episode, Death Watch and the Darksaber, knowing that those, both of those things originated in the Clone Wars and now they're Mm -hmm. going to be in live action Star Wars, immediately I was just like, when's season two? I need this right now.
2: (laughs) I can't wait.
1: Don't you, every time an episode ended, and the show is masterfully made, and I love that they show kind of the storyboard stuff during the credits, but like... There's something about that—the thing you can count on at the end of a Star Wars uh, story—is the uh, like yeah. just that, like yeah. like that real that pumps you up at the very end for the credits. Just it's like it's like yes, yep. yeah, I did yeah. it, I made it through. <laughs> like it's just something so nice, and like it's that thing you can just kind of count on, you know? Yeah, I miss
2: that. Same. That actually leads us to a certain point of view. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view i have one specifically about music but i'm gonna wait until the end
3: i i already know what it is i put these in there weren't any there as usual we don't there are no critic there, there there is no criticism of the show to respond to as we typically do to try to find the reason for it find something positive in the in the criticism that doesn't exist so all i put were things that are kind of like meticulous logical things which it's funny because i usually don't notice them but for some reason today i watching rewatching, i was just like hyper aware of these things going like uh, okay come on okay
2: (laughs) right so i put a few of them down for us to chat about well let's split some hairs all right quill tells kara to cover up her stripes on her arm because she's a former shock trooper so she wraps the bandana around it but she has a rebel insignia tattooed on her cheek. Yep.
3: <laughs> maybe that, and I thought about it after I wrote it, I'm I, pulling an atom, I'm going to find it. And I thought she didn't cover it up, but maybe he, you know, cover your stripes means just all of it, you know? Maybe stripes means tattoos, Co- yeah. Cover the flag, you know, it's just yeah. cover it up. But she didn't cover it on her face. I guess it's small enough for them not to see it, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it just looked like a little beauty mark or something. Kind of cool, though, when you see it up close, it's a a little rebel signal.
1: Yeah, or it could be like it's like that's something if the rebels capture you, they tattoo that on your face. And then so maybe maybe that's what she – maybe that would have been her reasoning if they had said anything.
2: Or maybe if somebody asked her about it, she'd be like, no, man, you know how gangsters get tears tattooed? That's because I killed a rebel. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. She just goes, I'm, I'm way into post Malone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we might be getting close to Adam's music comment, but
2: next. <laughs> How did Kawheel know to make the IG droid a nurse droid? Ryan, this is your, your gripe?
3: Yeah. They immediately show up and he's like, I made it a nurse droid, meaning it takes care of children. Why? How did he? He didn't know they were coming back. You know what I'm
1: saying? Like, like he, he he's, he's getting older. He's getting older and he's, he needs a nurse.
3: There we go. Answered. See, there it is. This is what we do in this yeah. segment, Jonah. This is what we do. We figure it yeah. out.
1: Yeah. I mean, he like he's living by himself. He's doing a lot of heavy work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no one else is around. There's no town nearby, as far as uh, we can tell, that hasn't been you know decimated. So yeah, it's the the idea. I think is just a like a robot and Frank, that indie film, Robot and Frank, where the old man kind of has a robot companion to kind of help him out through his loneliness. Yeah. And if he gets in trouble, it's there to help.
3: All right. Yeah. I back that. Yeah,
1: he was bringing he
0: was bringing him tea and probably you know when they were on the razor crest at one point they were he says something like
3: I made I made dinner you know like puts on his sleep yeah. apnea machine for him at night <laughs> yeah. and cleans it
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. one day he's gonna change his diaper
3: <laughs> you know those gnats man they are not they're not breathing well in old age when they sleep <laughs> no. Ryan you want to read a couple of these since you put them down sure uh in the flashback scene his parents were not quite in front of his eyes but just Incinerated, exploded, guts everywhere, terrible, carnage, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. But he seems pretty chill. (laughs) The, the, The Mandalorian pulls him out like I would understand maybe if there was kind of a moment of hysteria and then he's looking around at all the rising phoenix- Jetpack Death Watch Warriors in like Disney World Wonder. Cause that's what it is. He's like he if you watch it again, watch. He's he almost smiles. He's like looking <laughs> at all the Mandalorians and he almost is like it's it's just short of wow. Like <laughs> it's like that. And thirty seconds prior to that, he was screaming in terror while they were running through the streets and <laughs> and he's thrown into a cellar where his parents are exploded in front of him i think it's just kind of odd
0: direction i'm sure this is more like disney not really wanting to show too many dead humans on screen yep. but when the death watch mandalorian pulls little dinjarin child out of the bunker yeah there's no dead people
3: outside True. of the bunker then there's not blood and guts everywhere
0: yeah exactly so i like want to split hairs and start rumors that maybe his parents didn't die. I don't know. I'm not here to do that, but <laughs>
2: it could also just be, you know, Disney's not showing dead humans yeah. on screen. I mean, also the doors are shut and then there's a blast and kids aren't very smart. Let's be honest. He could be like, Oh, grab- Where I'm are my just, parents? I'm just saying he didn't even look scared.
1: Okay. Can we just, yeah. can we just n- shock and trauma
2: maybe? Yeah. 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 PTSD like, shell shocked and just kind of like, yeah. Okay. And then my next, my last point would be that he was probably like, Oh, sweet jetpacks <laughs> you know yeah. essentially kids are just like something just died you want some mcdonald's oh yeah a toy
3: yeah, you know what i mean <laughs>
2: kids, he's man. thinking
1: the thing we were promised
3: your grandma's dead but there's a toy in the happy meal yeah. <laughs> um okay i know that stormtroopers are bad shots this is part of star wars but in my opinion the shootout scene was a little ridiculous it was a little much which shootout scene the big major blowout grief is just standing there no cover Yeah, yeah yeah like pew, 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 pew with his blasters. Like, even for Star Wars, I felt it was a little much. And I notate that by saying, like, how then did the Empire show up? I think one of you or I, I'm going to have a clever response for this one, but how were they able to annihilate the entire tribe of Mandalorians underground, but they can't land a single blaster bolt on three people and a droid? In wide open space where they're all funneling into one doorway. How is that? For the Mandalorian one, as I was typing this, I thought, oh, okay, they were asleep. They were asleep. They ambushed so in the sewers. They, sure. they came down and they ambushed <laughs> them while they were sleeping. But nonetheless, they literally don't land a single shot in the entire thing. So there's like the, joke, the
1: child, The child. A little bit of the child kind of. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 A little bit of protection.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. They also could have just tossed like a, a detonator in the, the covert. And just blew them up.
3: Yeah. Oh, right. They could have just thrown it down there and blown them up. Yeah. Something For sure. Else. A concussive blast in that in that underground space would definitely mm-hmm. annihilate everyone.
2: It's physics, dog. Okay. All right.
3: I'm with that. And, and I'm definitely with the child just sort of like... Or I don't know, and they had some dir- you know directorate like you can't kill the child. So what are you supposed to shoot at? You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like there's there. It's still you know it is still a Disney show. So you gotta. Yeah. You can't like the violence can't be over. Exactly. And same with Quill, like where you see him running away from the troopers, and then the next time you see him, he's dead. Right. And do you really need to see? Yeah. Like do you need to see him get right. hit? And, ah. You need to see. Ah <laughs> 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 oh,
2: damn it! Oh. I yeah. <laughs> Just get.
3: All right, this one's going to be just because it's Star Wars, so they have tech you don't know about. But what is that boat made out of? What
2: is it? I thought the same thing, man. What's
3: the boat made out of? (laughs) That it's just cruising in in the lava that melts everything else except for the stick that's pushing the boat and the boat. Even if it's
2: made out of stone. Like, or other rock, that's what lava is. It's melted no, rock.
3: It ha- I mean, it's some some Star Wars tech that we don't, we you know, something cool we don't even know about.
1: Yes, it's made out of anti-lava.
3: <laughs> Sweet. Very common in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah, Done, does. got it. Okay, this one, in the TIE fighter scene at the end, Moff Gideon, or even in the cantina earlier, Moff Gideon never would have actually fired on them or uh, shot them for fear of killing the child. What was his goal with the TIE fighter, swooping in and blasting at them yeah knowing if he hits the boat with the with the tie fighter blast they're all annihilated including the child which is everything his whole
2: existence is for is to to capture the child maybe that's why he's not hitting them he's firing around them trying to kind of stun them ish
3: by time until
2: reinforcements
3: arrive or something i don't know something yeah just pin them down okay and then my last one is uh we're all in agreement that ties obviously have some insane kind of airbag system in them right <laughs> cuz that 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 dude barreled into the ground wingless yeah. spinning at like multiple g's and when you see the tie fighter crashed it's like at least 4 maybe 5 feet halfway buried in the dirt from like asteroid style bar- mm-hmm. like barreling down the dirt and dude his
2: armor is still shiny
3: when he climbs out of that thing yeah it's glistening in the sunlight
2: well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know why. But when you see, like, the child yank the stick on the razor crest or you see, like, in Empire today, like, uh, when the three Star Destroyers kind of, they go in, you know, they are inverted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Every week we find a way. We find a way. And we're not even going to say what movie that's from because you should know by now. I'm
0: going to say <laughs> Top Gun, right?
2: Yeah, it's Top Gun, yeah. Jonah, they bring up Top Gun. This is this is a Star Wars and Top Gun podcast. We find a way. Right. A crossover. You got to start
1: hyping it up for the next one.
2: <laughs> Every week. <laughs> my interpretation, my headcanon of the technology is that whatever gravity generating technology they have is not only gravity generating, but it's also like, it's like a safety feature in a way as well. So like if you're in a crash, because I mean, they have to generate the gravity in one direction, right? It's whatever, whichever way down is for the seats. So if you're in a big impact, perhaps that's like all around in the the outer shell. of.
3: I guess unless Vader was wearing like a a lap belt, seat belt, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then you don't see them wearing like shoulder harnesses. You do, though, in uh, Force Awakens, Poe and Finn put on shoulder harnesses, I think, when they get in. Because I only say that because... TIE Fighters, as I was reading about the landing gear and everything today, they have nothing. No life support, mm-hmm. you know, no landing gear, all to make them as fast and light as possible. So I would assume they don't have gravity. You know the the gravity thing because they're stripped of literally everything else except for mm. thrusters and
2: blasters. So I don't know. Some of them though do seem to be built to crash well. It's almost like the cockpit is a breakaway thing, and the tumbling feature is like almost like a, uh, yeah. a safety feature.
1: Yeah, the fact that you would just ro- you would just roll, kind like of you- rolls yeah. instead
2: of coming to like a dead stop like a
3: plane crash. Yeah. 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 All right. See, there we go. It's e- it's either airbags and rolling <laughs> or just rolling. But I'm good with it now. Tuck and roll, Adam. Let's talk about those hi hats.
2: there were some beats in this one my big thing actually on first viewing it didn't hit me but on second viewing i really missed the force theme
3: oh man when the when the flamethrower which let's not let's not go into that yet though the scene specifically i don't want to get emotional about it yet but i I literally this is why we do a podcast together because i literally thought the exact same thing today watching it i was like where is it wait it's yoda it's not yoda but it's yoda doing this miraculous thing and everything is going silent all around. Imagine if it, that freaking French horn had just come in.
2: Man, I just got goosebumps all over my whole body. You just (laughs) referring to it in the Vegas terms. We should do an edit for YouTube with it in that scene.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) It was a pretty triumphant piece. It went very orchestral there, but I really wanted that binary sunset, man.
0: Agreed. It's hard to not just hear it in your head, you know? So like there, there is music, new music by Ludwig playing and it's suitable, but you just hear, you know in yeah. your head, it's just you're brainwashed to hear the force
1: theme. Well, maybe the maybe the force theme is now just within our hearts, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's there when we need it. It for sure yeah. is. It's <laughs> now more powerful than it now that it's gone. Yeah. You know?
0: Force
3: spirit of the force theme. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the force theme is not what lives in my head because it's always overridden by don't <clears throat> From Return of the Jedi, version 2. We should also do
0: a YouTube edit of that song over the child. (laughs) Man,
2: that's like having the Macarena stuck in your head. It's like getting rip-rolled by Star Wars just on the reg. (laughs) I think you may have just created a new meme. Okay. That's the thing now. Watching Empire today, I think I came up with a response to my own gripe. Although, it's not enough. I still want the damn Force theme. It was when yoda raised the x-wing out of the swamp it's just yoda's theme there there's no force Mm -hmm. theme even though that's like the strongest display of force power yet it's not that
3: theme it's funny because it's such a subconscious thing i recall on multiple occasions when i'm trying to find that that song i like i'll go on disney plus to like just screen record the music and i go to that scene thinking like I'm going to go to where Yoda pulls the right. the lamb out of the, the bog because then record the music really quick for whatever I'm trying to get the song for. And every time I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't play here. But like my mind just thinks that it does, which is why I heard it today when I was watching the show and it wasn't even there.
2: I guess they made a decision. They had to have referenced stuff like that, you know, in Favreau and and what's his name's discussions. Ludwig, they had to have had a conversation about whether or not they were going to use it straight up in the series. And I'm sure they said, well, If this kid uses the force, do we roll it there? And they probably went back to the exact same references that we're talking about and said, well, Yoda's theme here, this person's theme here, this person's theme here. Maybe binary sunset is just the Skywalker theme. We all call it the force theme, but its I guess it's just not. True. Which is a bum out. And at what
3: point do you close the can of worms if you open it? You know, now is he required to start working even more of the of the other themes into his super amazing original score? Yeah. Emmy winning score. Jonah, you have any gripes? No. I, uh, Nick, I, I, you I have don't. any gripes? <laughs> no. OK. No. Love really, that. Nothing
1: really rubbed me the wrong way. Mainly, I guess, because I'm not an asshole, but.
3: <laughs> I'm the
1: asshole. Oh, oh I'm the asshole. <laughs> yeah. One asshole on this call. That's my favorite, like, uh, like undercut kind of thing. It's like, no, I mean, I I just like things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I have joy in my life. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, let's move on. For
1: over a thousand generations. It is the dark secret.
3: Oh, gosh.
2: It's a calicore. A
3: Sith wayfinder. Dark science.
2: Cloning. The secret's only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. Welcome. Easter eggs, fun facts, tidbits. We have a handful here. First, Kuiil thinks the child wasn't farmed, but mentions that Kara Dune looks like she might be.
3: Talking about cloning.
2: Genetic engineering.
3: Interesting. I added to this. Think about the timing of this. Uh, I read this somewhere, don't remember where, can't give credit, but I can't take it for myself. But think about the timing of the release of this show in this episode. Right before the rise of Skywalker, you're watching this scene and it's only expanding the concepts of like genetic engineering and cloning and how widespread it was within the Empire and the galaxy and stuff. Like to be able to look at Cara Dune and go, I, in fact, know exactly where that clone was made yeah. because of whatever signature she has, you know and her reaction's great cuz she's like all yeah, right but you can tell she's like wait what <laughs> no <laughs> so
2: I'm not a clone yeah i think i think there's that's a really cool little factoid speaking of kara the fight that she's in when we see her for the first time or when we come back to her she's fighting a zabrak same species as Maul. but maybe not from dothmere i don't know
3: i added this one as well and couldn't really come down with finite research because you noticed that the Zabrak in the scene she's fighting has kind of like an orangish, like light pale mm-hmm. kind of skin color, um, and not really the heavy markings that Maul and the other ones from Dothamir have. But it's definitely the same species, but maybe not like
2: from the same tribe or the same gene pool as Maul. All I thought was that dude looked like freak show from Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. <laughs> what a great film! Hey Randy,
3: What the devil? Huh? The devil, the devil, devil. <laughs>
2: Chapter 7 has the first instance of force healing, and they actually pushed the episode up a day, right? They dropped it on Saturday instead, or Friday instead?
0: I believe so, or it definitely was before—
2: Or no, Wednesday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they pushed it up a few days because the Rise of Skywalker was going to drop on Thursday night to put a little precedent in place for force healing, which we then saw in the Rise of Skywalker— and i know there were a handful of people out there i th- i remember reading comments like oh force healing no we got force healing and i was i got a, i put on my keyboard warrior helmet and was like nope if you would have watched the mandalorian like a real fan you would know <laughs> send it makes it makes sense though the force healing right like it's like if yeah. you're able
1: to manipulate elements and move you know entire x-wings out of a swamp it's like you're going to maybe be able to like you know, pull some cells together in another uh, person's
3: body. Yeah. But it also makes sense that it is, it could have only evolved at this point with the child Mm -hmm. into the force awakens. You know what I'm saying? Like this is all new, Ray, all that, it's all new force powers. It's all, there's so Mm -hmm. many new force abilities that are revealed in the sequel trilogy. The idea that the Jedi we know and love back in the day couldn't do the force healing. And this is, it's, you know, it's a package that came with the child, which sort of like awakened this ability. Maybe, I like that, but I
2: I don't know, could be wrong. What if Luke learned it from the child and that's why it's written down in the texts? Oh man, if Luke and the child link up, You know what I mean? Dude, like goosebumps everywhere. (laughs) I
0: just think in like the bringing the story writing back to Earth, everyone has to be okay with new force powers because Mm -hmm. in 1977, look at Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fighting. It was like the most shot lightsaber fight of all time. You know, like it's like technology and fight choreography and CGI, all this stuff just has evolved. So like everyone needs to like calm down with new force powers if they get like, oh, we have this now, we have that now. It's like, hey man, if you could just move some rocks with your mind, the force is gonna get real boring like yeah. real soon, you know? Like it, there's gotta be a, a story told the right way that these were powers of like force powers of Jedis from eons ago and now new Jedi are starting to
2: to learn and also maybe, yeah, create new powers. Why not? There's actually a new power or a new use of a power in every single movie. Yeah, I think it's like, maybe I heard this from an unreliable source, but I'm pretty sure it's like policy. Like you make a new movie, you're going to introduce a new force power. Mm, I think. Cool. I'm about it. I'm on board regardless. I look,
3: I look forward to, if that's policy, what Tyka is going to come up with for his new force power. Hmm. Force comedy. Force yeah. jokes. Yeah, force <laughs> jokes.
2: <laughs> you think this is funny. You're just
3: walking along and you just start laughing your ass off because <laughs> the Jedi next to you just told you a good one without even speaking.
2: <laughs> yeah. The Trooper Transport in these episodes was based on a Kenner toy that had, to this point, never been seen in live action.
3: It was the first toy they made that wasn't in the films back in 77 to 83. It was it was the first—they ended up making a lot more of those, but it was the first one that wasn't seen in any films, but it was just a toy. And so they basically yep. rebuilt it for the show.
2: All of the troopers, I guess starting with Seven, are all 501st stormtroopers that they brought in. And you, you can see it in the behind-the-scenes stuff in the Disney gallery— they didn't tell him what they were doing. They just showed up and they were like, holy shit, we're going to be in Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. So awesome. RA7, the Imperial spy droid, serving drinks in the cantina, is seen on the Sandcrawler and on the Death Star in the original trilogy.
3: It's like an Imperial droid and and he's always just kind of wandering around, you know, or he, the first time mm-hmm. you see him is on the Sandcrawler, but then you do see them on the Death Star. And it's like he's been reprogrammed
2: to serve drinks. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. We find out officially in this, it's said in so many words that Mandalorian is not a race. It's a creed. This is something that was kind of already known, but this is the first time that it's just said point blank. Death Watch and Live Action, Back to Spray. We've heard about back to spray before, right? Yeah, like back to tank,
0: I wanna say. Like Luke and Empire was healing yeah. in a back to tank, but I don't I don't remember an instance where I saw it like administered
2: as a spray. Yeah. It's like um, you keep the little Little pocket sized hand sanitizer in there. It's like super charged hydrogen peroxide. Yeah.
1: You have a traumatic brain injury. So uh, now, now we have back to sprays. Like, what's yeah. what is this
2: shit, dude?
1: <laughs> what's next? A back to salve? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, back to lotion? When I was growing up, we just had it in tanks and it was way better. <laughs> yeah, we didn't
2: have band aids with back to spray already on them. All right. <laughs> They're making t shirts that say back to not a spray. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, The astromech with arms and legs that guides the boat down the lava river. Have you seen the concept art? I forgot who did this, Ryan Church or one of those dudes. Anyway, there's some really cool alternate concept drawings of this, thinking about legs or um, different ways to make this droid something that could pilot this impervious boat,
3: magical boat, It's a, right. it's a magical Disney lava
1: ride, anti lava.
2: <laughs> I love that.
1: I really wanted that droid to, to
3: start like whistling or like, you know, just yeah. like, it's
1: like, <laughs> oh, so I you. You know.
3: if you want, it really is like pirates of the Caribbean or it's a small world at Disney. That's like, it's like they're on the ride. It's going so slow. It's staying right in the middle of the lane. Yeah. You
2: know, like it's got bumpers under the lava. <laughs> Next, the scene with the Death Watch flying away with young Din Djarin mirrors the scene where Mando takes the child on his shoulder and flies away. Very cool. Cute as hell. Just kind of
0: emphasizing that the child now foundling.
2: Yeah. And lastly, the Darksaber, which we talked about briefly. For anyone who hasn't seen Clone Wars, it's like, oh man, what's that weird lightsaber? For all the rest of us, it's that Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're, we're all just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you want to know the history anyone who's listening who hasn't watched clone wars go watch it it's a big deal i mean it's a huge deal
0: and only going to get more huger of a deal <laughs> more <laughs> do, you, do
1: you mind do you mind uh telling me why it's a huge deal or do you not want to go into it
0: well we we covered it a little bit in the first recap of these oh, okay well me then whoever <laughs> how don't you know this no, um well if you want us to waste our fucking time go ahead <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're such an asshole <laughs> Just give me, the, give, me the, give me the short short of it.
0: It's uh, generations old. Whoever, whatever Mandalorian had that saber
2: ruled the Mandalore. Oh, okay. So All right. That's the very short of it. All
1: right. That wasn't
2: hard. Because <laughs> the Mandalorians have such a history of opposition with the Jedi and warring with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That was a weapon that they created as non-Force users, including their armor, actually, to be able to actually get on the Jedi's level. You know what I mean? To level the playing field. They used a bunch of technology versus the force. Yep. So we love the dark saber. And while we're talking about things that we love, I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes.
3: Ready? Brian Key. Mine is without a doubt, the child pushing back the fire in the cantina. It's heavy. Uh, that was such an emotional, nostalgic all the things I want when I watch Star Wars came to my mind in that scene. Just the prep for it. No, You know, that thing where, which has happened quite a bit in The Mandalorian, where you know what's about to happen. You know what I mean? It's like you're not bothered by that feeling. It's so well done that you're like, oh, yeah, I know what's coming, and it feels it feels really good to know that that's about to happen. So, yeah, just like that that, that moment right before he does it, you know. You're like, this little dude is about to put his hands in the air, and stop this fire from killing all of them like you just don't care <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah oh man just loved it that's my favorite scene of the whole sh- show probably so far nikki
0: I'll go with a quote because I found some comedic relief in this quote from the client when he <laughs> says to Grief, can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with the accent, man, and it's like, "Yeah, can yeah I yeah. offer you I a libation? Like, Is that supposed to be said? Like, I feel like that's like a line on a script that like, did he just say that? Why did he say that? It was so, so
3: good. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure if, like, Tigers told the story out in public, but, like, I was at a party that uh, he was at, and we were talking about Werner Herzog. And then he told me, like, about how, like, Werner Herzog, when he got to set and saw that there wasn't an actual live child puppet, or there was, like, he was mm-hmm. supposed to act again, like, and he, like, looked at everybody, and he's like, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <It's> so good. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love the fact that he's still Werner Herzog, even if you're just kind of ha- going to have him come in for, to do a, a role. He's still gonna bring all that weird Werner Herzog energy to it. <laughs> I'll say mine. Hit it. Uh, which is, uh, I mean, I did really love the flashback of the, the rehabilitation of uh, the droid, but I'm gonna have to say, just, just uh, Carl Weathers going, hey, baby, do the magic hands.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he like hold up three fingers kind of up, He kind of like, and
1: kinda yeah. like, wav- like, and then the child waves, and then like, uh, and then comes back to Carl Weathers easy. He's like, I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: That's great. Yeah. I'm going to have to copy you, Ryan. Yeah. Again. I think I did that last week. Sorry to steal it from you. I figured it might happen with that one with someone. I'm just a sucker for the force, man. Yeah. Even without the music, just like you said, so heavy. And then favorite quotes, again, kind of accidental comedy. The client saying, I would like to see the baby. (laughs) <laughs> yeah birth birth of a meme there too that exactly. was, that one uh,
0: yeah very memeable show which is
2: probably part of the marketing for it all
1: <laughs> yeah whatever algorithm yeah. of creativity they put through like
2: to see the baby <laughs> yeah that's definitely in my giphy favorites right now in my iMessage app <laughs> I did a. I actually
0: speaking of memes and that line. I did a combo meme of you remember when the Bernie Sanders like uh, meme of him in the jacket. What was he saying? He's like, "Once again, I'm asking for your donations or something like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I put Werner Herzog's face on Bernie Sanders and it said, "Once again, I'm asking to see the baby." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It didn't go viral, so I might as well just explain it to
3: you. <laughs> well, this episode hasn't aired yet, so <laughs> it should go viral. I say that all the time.
1: It is one of those things where, around. like, you're like, the middle of this Venn diagram is going to be huge when I put this out. And then you're like, nope, it's just me in the middle. <laughs> yeah.
0: I made a very specific bad religion Star Wars one, too. I'm like, very niche Star Wars bad religion account.
1: Yeah, I tried to make a mashup recently of a, a Minutemen song with Nas rapping over it. And it was just, like, literally, like, three guys were like, "Hello, all right, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to those three guys, though, it killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> all right, let's hand out some medals. The medal ceremony, favorite scenes, favorite quotes—we of course, as we always do, polled the patrons. We gave them seven choices, actually, on scenes, because there's just too many. We couldn't resist, and I am, to be honest, surprised by the results. Anyone else surprised? Same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty Definitely surprising. surprised. Let's
3: say surprise one more time. I'm shocked. <laughs> so surprised,
2: or I
1: don't know him, and I'm flabbergasted. <laughs>
2: there we go. Speechless. Yeah, Jonas, speechless. <laughs> First, the campfire attack and the child force healing grief carga. Second, IG Eleven returning to the city with the child doing the drive by, drive by shooting. For anyone who's not familiar with the term drive by, I know it's a '90s term. Not so prominent these days. Drive bys. Most gangsters in their car are probably just on Instagram and not, not paying attention. That's true. It's a good thing. Yeah. Not I mean thing.
1: they've been replaced with like drive-throughs uh, at the protest. But yeah. so that's a very violent joke that you should probably cut out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Number three, the child repelling the flames with the force and saving the crew. Number four, the armorer meeting the child, Mando receiving his Mudhorn signet, and becoming a clan of two with the child. Next, the armorer taking out the stormtroopers in the armory. Next IG-11 sacrificing himself, and lastly, Moff Gideon emerging from the TIE Fighter with the Darksaber. The winner, with 33.33333 repeating percent of the vote, IG-11 sacrificing himself.
0: Didn't see that coming, guys. Nope. Not gonna lie. Nor did
2: I. Tied for second place, the Armorer meeting the Child, receiving the Signet, blah, blah, blah. And Moff Gideon emerging from the TIE Fighter.
3: I mean, the IG scene, it's it's heavy though, you know? I mean, it's really emotional as he's getting off the magical Disney ride. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of weight in the scene. I, I wouldn't have expected it. I wouldn't have expected any of those to go over the child stopping the flames, to be honest, but that's... Yeah, yeah. which wasn't even second place. Yeah.
0: So. A lot of love for IG. A lot of love for the IG, Jordan. I say, I feel like I say it every week. Patreons, whatever you like, just fly that freak flag, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Own it, patrons. And also, great performance by Taika Waititi with the IG. Yeah. It's a very simple, deceivingly simple like task of just kind of being straightforward and almost emotionless, but like bringing tons of stuff
3: to it. He and, did. Yeah. He brought yeah. a lot of emotion to the dialogue, the line, yes, you are, I've an- I'm a nurse droid now and I've analyzed your voice. There's enough like little subtle changes in his diction there that are like somehow even though it's monotone it's i've used this before i think but the the like director's cut of forgetting sarah marshall where she's like no 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 see because you're you're bending your back and you're and you're keeping it straight at the same time (laughs) 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 it's like it's monotone and also not monotone (laughs) you know it's crazy yeah i I didn't think about that jonah until you said it but yeah he really did it was really something he did with that Mm -hmm. that vocal performance
2: it's even more impressive given the fact that i mean i assume favreau was probably In there when he was recording his lines, but him being the director and the voice actor, being able to nail that subtle balance is pretty impressive, Mm -hmm. you know, without somebody directing you, feeding you feedback the whole time, you know? I mean, talented is a word I might use. Man, I'm surprised Moff Gideon with the Darksaber didn't get more. I mean, it was second place, but... I'll say
0: that seeing the Darksaber is a freak out for... People obviously have watched The Clone Wars. If you don't know what it is, then you're like, "Uh, why is there a black lightsaber all of a sudden? So it's kind of might be a little bit more confusing or might not hit hard, but they put it there because they're going to explain what it is and show what it means in forthcoming seasons. But that was more like, again, I keep saying this, but this was like almost like a Marvel post-credit scene. Like the camera actually, I want to say like Mando's flying off. The camera just pans left Mm -hmm. as like a
2: post-credit scene. Mm It's the kind of scene where, yeah, you would put it post-credits because it requires, like, okay, who do I know that would know this answer to text? (laughs) We should actually poll the patrons and see how many have watched The Clone Wars and how many haven't. Yeah. I want some insight here. All right, favorite quotes. First, from Quill. None will be free until the old ways are gone forever. Second, IG-11 and Mando. I am fulfilling my base function. Which is? to nurse and protect I love that number three from the client I would like to see the baby (laughs) (laughs) so good number four from IG 11 and Mando again you have suffered damage to your central processing unit you mean my brain that was a joke it is meant to put you at ease (laughs) number five from Mando and IG again I'm not Sad. Yes, you are. I'm a nurse droid. I've analyzed your voice. And lastly, number six from Grief Karga. Hey,
1: let's make the baby do the magic hand thing. Come on, baby. Do the magic hand thing.
2: (laughs) And the winner with 36% of the vote, Mando and IG-11. I'm not sad. Yes, you are. I'm a nurse droid and so on. Surprising win. Shocked. That is shocked again. Pretty uh, unexpected. However, I think
3: that might also be a little bit more a vote for the moment than the quote. You know what I mean? Mm.
2: Yeah. Second place, close second place, grief cargo with the magic hand baby (laughs) Nick, if if
3: the libation quote had been in there, home run. Home run. Yeah. Love that. That would have won.
2: It made the short list, but not the final list. That grief cargo magic hand thing was such a Chubbs Peterson moment. (laughs) That's totally the vibe I got all right i keep saying final thoughts at the end of each of these but we love this i already know what it's our really final thoughts good are. it's a it's really really good it's a good television program it's a good star wars <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it was a great star war <laughs> and i'm excited to see another new
2: star war <laughs> same all right jonah are you down to do a little lightning round sure sweet
3: the major weapons test is imminent
2: test may 94 you may fire when ready Well done with these, Ryan.
3: Thank you. I I didn't do the either or. Nick did the either or.
2: That one was mine. Well done, Nick. (laughs) Ryan, you did a shit job. Nick, you did great. All right. Either ors, favorite things, and would you rather's. First, either or, Crow and Tom Servo or 3PO and R2?
1: Well, I've already experienced one, so I'm going to have to go with uh, uh, R2 and see (laughs) 3 po just to see what that's like. So then I can make a good assessment.
0: And then come back on the podcast and tell us.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Favorite Stormtrooper uniform? Or type, Yeah, I guess.
1: Um, I'd say the, uh, I guess it's, it would be the ones with the visors. Uh, I'm trying to remember the term. Scout for Troopers. Like the, the scout Troopers. I just, uh, for some reason, I was when I was a kid, I just loved that. I just thought it was a cool integration of a visor. Same. I'm always looking for cool integrations for visors.
3: <laughs> it's funny how I, f- I feel like the Scout Troopers were more impactful as like as a kid, the, the first different kind of stormtrooper, mm-hmm. even though you had already seen the, are we calling they called snowtroopers? Yeah. yeah, and the tie fighter pilots in, in Empire and- with the kind of they almost had like the imperial guard mm-hmm. helmet shape. Yeah, as as a kid, I rem- I
2: just vividly remember
3: the scout troopers were like, whoa, new stormtroopers, and they know? had
2: you know a lot more like soft black parts of the uniform that made them just look faster, and they were on those bikes. You yeah. know, they're just badass. Yeah. yeah. If I ever put time into doing a full-on trooper costume, that that's where I'm going with it. Would you rather be a huge star as an actor, but part of the job is you have to appear in imperial propaganda videos, basically making you an agent of evil, or have a steady gig as a stand-up comedian, but the contract is binding until retirement, performing exclusively at Jabba's Palace every night. Meaning you have to listen to that. Propagandist. Propagandist.
1: <laughs> Anything to get me out of stand-up comedy. I, uh, I, I do not care what the uh, what, what it is. I just found out on my Jonah Radio podcast, one of the co-hosts was like, hey, I just listened to one of the ads they dropped in. It's for the military. And I was like, oh, oh my no. God. Are they paying? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That feels weird. And They, they didn't tell us about it. Yeah. Uh. So clearly I've already sold out in uh, real life. So this hypothetical, I will totally
3: go with a big star. <laughs> All right, quick and easy. You didn't make it to the end, so I didn't have to sing it. I appreciate that.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was ready.
3: Go ahead and sing it just for good
2: measure. (laughs) Somehow, I'm going to get good at CG, and I'm going to do a version of your face with those long, size noodles lips. (laughs) singing that, and I'm going to make it a gif. So, I know we're in quarantine, but do you have anything going on coming up that you want to plug?
1: Well... I have a podcast myself, if you can believe it, called Jonah Radio. It's a music podcast for me, uh, my friends, Cash Hartzell and Neil Mahoney. You know, just goof off about what's going on in the world of music. Find, like, funny clips of stuff and play those. And then also play music submitted to us by bands. So if you make music, send it our way. You can email us at Jonah Radio. That's r-a-y-d-i-o at gmail.com. And that's a way we kind of help try and support bands that are that could use the listens. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes, like, people, like, say... Back in the before four times, bands that say, like, it's like, hey, like, a couple people showed up to our show and said they heard us because of the podcast. And that's the stuff that feels pretty good.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's dope. That's amazing.
1: That's about it. Mystery Science Theater episodes are on Netflix. I was in a movie that came out right when everything starts shutting down on Hulu with Felicia Day is in it. It was directed by Alejandro uh, Brugas, uh, who was the director of Juan of the Dead, a great Cuban zombie comedy. Nice. That's also available to watch, too. Excellent. That's what I got.
2: That's great shit. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to wrap this up with a quote of the week. This is a rest in peace quote. That's why I picked it. It's a good one. Every generation will be challenged morally once in their life about its government, and they will have to say where they stand. Nick Nolte.
3: Kuiil. Rest in peace, Kuiil. R.I.P. I just thought it was like obviously relevant. Yeah. In the times, but so relevant to his character too. Yeah. He was... A pacifist that also harbored a lot of animosity for the way things were. Mm-hmm. He was a conflicted little man. You know, <laughs> I love I loved his character the whole show. Sad to see him go. Season two is going to jump yeah. the
0: shark when like Kawiel's twin brother pops up. Right. He's like, hey. Mm-hmm. I'm two wheel. (laughs) And I also sound
2: like Nick Nolte. (laughs) Two wheel. (laughs) And I have also spoken.
3: (laughs) I've spoken too. (laughs) I don't know why I associate this with Nick Nolte's voice, but maybe Gary Busey will be the new one. (laughs) Do you get that association? Yeah, (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like Nick Nolte and Gary Busey could be in those insurance commercials where like one's calling the customer service and the one almost kind of looks like them. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Discover card (laughs) commercials.
1: All right, Jonah, where can we find you on the internet? At Jonah Ray, I don't, not on Twitter anymore. Good man. Yeah, Uh, and I was off Instagram for a good chunk of time, and then I was feeling bad about myself, went and posted a handsome picture of my weight loss. And got sucked right back in. My vanity sucked (laughs) me in and it literally felt like getting
3: re-addicted. If it wasn't for work, I really, really think I could do away with all of it completely. I really do. It's just there's
1: no other way to get the word out on stuff.
3: Honestly, if I was still in my band at this point, I would probably have... I did delete my Instagram before uh, the band broke up and didn't reactivate it while we were still in the band. It was years Mm -hmm. after. So it's like... I think I would just get rid of it. I, so I'm proud of you for not being on Twitter. That's that's a good one. Yeah, it's a you know a
1: lot lot less anxiety.
3: It's a hellscape right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so it's like, and I, I get punchy. It's you know, it's one of those weird things where it's like, if you grow up being in mosh pits like you know, like a couple times a week, you know, as a kid, and like into your you know 20s, and and then you kind of miss that like safe violence of just like <laughs> getting punchy. Yeah. And now I just kind of parlay that into like going on twitter or instagram and just calling dorks out for being racist
3: yeah digital punchy <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly well use it for good use the punchiness for good you know yeah i think so
2: if you're looking for the podcast you can find us on instagram at thank the maker Pod, on twitter at thank the maker one my personals are all at on the skull you can find me in the hellscape
3: amidst <laughs> the apocalypse everywhere at william ryan key
0: and I'm at Nick NickBayside on both Twitter and Instagram, and I think about deleting them both
2: 20,000 times a day. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to the patrons for voting. And until next time, may the force be with you.